Hey everyone, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Renovation Church. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today from your home. Today I want to tell you a story about a father and his two sons, one who stays home and one who left. And it's a story that Jesus told in the book of Luke in chapter 15. So if you uh, have a Bible around, go ahead and pause this video and get that Bible opened to Luke chapter 15 and keep it open there so that you can follow along uh, as we hear today's message. Uh, Jesus told this story during a time when he was surrounded by a huge crowd of people and a lot of different kinds of people. There was the proud people that were uh, very serious about religious life. Um, they were really good at following the rules. You know, they were the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, and the scribes. Others in the crowd were less put together, you know, sinners and tax collectors and the type of people that don't clean up after their camels in the park, those type of people that, you know, are, that they don't really like. And the prideful people didn't think it was right for Jesus to spend so much time with these people who are not as good at following the rules. And so Jesus tells this story. There was a man who had two sons. The younger son the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out, and I will go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a, finger, put a, put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. But meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years, I've been slaving away from you 
slaving away for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father says, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And that can be found in Luke chapter 15. Now, when Jesus tells stories like this, we call them parables. And a parable is a story where you got to read it pretty closely and you can see what Jesus is really trying to say. And when we read this story closely, we can see that it has many layers. And the beautiful thing about this parable is that Jesus has something very important to say directly to you, no matter who you are. And in this parable, we can gather that there's uh, different characters represent different things. The father represents God. He's our loving father. And the, other, the, the younger brother who runs and returns represents that group of people that Jesus is spending time with, the sinners and the tax collectors, the unsavory people, people who get in the express checkout lane even though they have more than 10 items. Blech, those people, you know, people that hit reply all on company emails, those people. That's the people that ran from, or they've run from God and now they've returned, so let's celebrate. That's who's represented in the younger brother. The older brother represents the prideful religious leaders uh, of Jesus' day. They feel like their special place in society and their effort to keep the law should grant them special advantages in God's eyes. And the thing about the Word of God, the Bible, is that it's alive. And so when Jesus says this story in a specific situation and to a specific group of people, his words can still carry forward through time and space to have a deep meaning for us now today, for you, for your kids sitting next to you, for your mom who you're going to call later. The words in the Bible have meaning today for us now. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're able to see how our lives are connected to what the Bible teaches and we can see how the truth and love and the power of God is the same today as it's always been. So let's take a closer look at these two brothers. At first glance, they seem to be very different people. One runs away and lives a wild life, and the other stays home and works hard. But I think that that is where the differences end. And that's because the root of all the difficulties we have when it comes to trusting God, boils down to one thing, prideful self-reliance, or at least the desire for self-reliance, or we might even say the delusion of self-reliance. So I want you to try this. Try to imagine yourself as the younger son, and try to imagine why the younger son would take his share of everything and leave home. Originally, the son and all the stuff was under the father's good care. He was taking good care of things. Things seemed to be going good. Why leave? 
No one's making him leave. There's no uh, social pressure for him to leave or cultural, uh, you know, conditioning where you have to leave home. Why leave? Would you leave that situation? Seems like a good situation. Why would he have left? And I think what seems clear when you read it closely is that the brother, in taking his share of the property and leaving his father, is saying that he can take better care of himself and his life than the father could. He's saying that life with the father was limiting him and his experiences in life. It wasn't fulfilling his desires to their fullest potential. It wasn't allowing him to maximize his own potential, that by leaving, he could do this life better. He didn't trust that the father's ways were actually the best ways, and that his father's authority was trustworthy, even if it seemed difficult at times. No, he had to go find his own best way. He had to be his own authority, because he thought life with the father wasn't a safe shelter where he could grow and flourish, but it was a closed door where he was missing out on life. And when we think of life with our own Heavenly Father, with God, there's sometimes a pull toward this way of thinking for us to think that God doesn't really want us to have a self-fulfilled life, for us to feel fulfilled, that I can really find my own way through life better in a way that works for me and I could probably do it uh, better and be more satisfied than if I just trusted God and obeyed him. So maybe we've distrusted God's management of our lives in a similar way to, to how the younger son distrusted his father's management of his life. He was very proud of his own self-sufficiency. And it is that pride that is his downfall, more so than the wild living that squanders his money away. He was proud of his ability to try and take care of himself, and so he trusted himself, and he left the father. And in the story, the son gets a job with a man in a distant country. You see, he tries to make it work when times, gets, when times get hard. But the man who hires him to go feed the pigs, I think it's kind of like the world away from God. You know, it offers us a way to try and take care of ourselves that it knows is not enough and it doesn't care. It says, go do life this way, knowing that it will starve you. And so often, we accept the offer. But when you're not home with God, your luck is not enough to take care of you. Your talent is not enough. Your inherited place in society is not enough. Your own wisdom and opinions are not enough to take care of you. Your hard work is not enough. The world says it is, but it knows it's not, and it doesn't care. And no one, not even yourself, will give you anything that will really take care of you the way you need. Now, if we look at the older brother, we can see some of this same thinking just played out from a different angle. Just like the younger brother, the older brother felt entitled to his father's provision. But he felt that way because he stayed in his father's house uh, with his father's people, serving in his father's activities. But his motivation was all wrong. It was coming from the wrong place. You see, the older brother wanted to celebrate 
his successful obedience with his friends. He thought he had earned it through his actions. He had been doing all this activity, just like the younger brother was doing all of his activity, for his own glory, his own satisfaction, his own way, trusting that his own hard work would pay off. He has no real interest in the father, except as a means to get his own way for his own satisfaction. He may have been obedient in some sense, we could say, but he shows us how we can hang out in the Father's house with the Father's servants and be actively hardworking in the Father's work and yet be far from the Father's heart and not even understand who the Father really is to us and why he's given us this family of believers and this home and this good work to do. The, the older brother saw his relationship with his father as a transaction, as a business relationship, you know, as a professional relationship like you would have with your boss. And we can see that both brothers think that they can take care of themselves, that their, their wit and their wisdom and their hard work and their luck will be enough. But both are faced with the reality that it isn't. And part of reading the Bible and then rereading it and rereading it and reading it again is to be reminded of this kind of stuff for ourselves. You know, you will be told, we will be told by the world, by uh, people in our lives, by advertisers, by our own personal ambition that we can do this, that we've got this, we can get what we need, we can take care of ourselves. And that we know what is right. And if we just trust our hearts and work hard, then we'll get there and we'll have a happy life and we'll get what we need. But it just doesn't work that way. Now, there's a fatal flaw in trying to be self-reliant. And that's that we are all unavoidably dependent on God's grace and generosity. And the younger brother, the younger brother realizes that. We can see in verse 17 to 20, the younger brother has a moment of clarity that should show us a lot. He says, I, here I am, starving to death. It's a moment of clarity. And some of you, maybe you feel that way right now in your life. You're realizing that your life is just a mess. Well, here is a moment of clarity coming from a story that Jesus told a long time ago right now to you. And he's saying, stop trying to clean up your pig pen. And don't blame it on anyone else. Stop looking for some magical explanation of your situation, like explaining it well will give you power over it, because it won't. Instead, realize that your Father, your God, is the only hope you have. And then, like the son, the younger brother, you've got to get up and go home to God. There's no benefit in waiting. Thinking about it, considering it, is only the first step. But you can't just sit there and think about it and think about it and think about it. You've got to get up and act on it while you have clarity. Just thinking about it never helped anyone. You have to turn that thinking into action. So stop whatever you're doing and let now be the perfect moment to give up on using God's gifts your way. 
you know, stop this video if you want and let today be a perfect moment for you to get on your knees and say, God, I want to come home to you. My life is a mess. Let me come home to you. Lead me. Show me the way. And he will come running out to meet you. Isn't that exactly what we see in this story? That the father runs out to meet the son, the child, as the child returns. Let's see. When the younger son gets home to his father, at first, he wants to earn his keep. Let me be like one of your servants, is what he plans to say. You know, he's almost got his motivation right. And this is important to remember. He's almost got it, but he misses it because the desire in us to say, see, really, I did it, not God. You know, he wants a sliver of the credit in there. It is so strong in us that even here we see him again trying to rely a little bit on himself. But the father never even hears that. He never lets it get that far because the only options that God gives us for a relationship with him is either to ignore him and run or to come and be a dear child covered in love and care. There's no working for this kind of relationship. You just get it when you show up. You know, there's no in-between. There's no professional relationship with God. You can't be acquaintances with God. It's either love or nothing. It's either in his arms or in a distant country. God has no next-door neighbors. You're either here or you're not, fully in or not. And when the son looks at his father and he says, I have sinned and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, the father doesn't correct him. He doesn't say, oh, it wasn't that bad. Don't worry about it. No, instead, he accepts his son's confession and he responds with his own actions. And the father's actions say, sure, I accept. You don't deserve to be called my child, but nonetheless, I will treat you like a very dear child. Not only are the son's fears right in that moment averted, but his wildest hopes are outdone. What a change. What a change in the situation for those of us who are scrounging for a morsel of satisfaction, fading satisfaction in this life. You know, pig food would have been enough. These hoping for a scrap that he can work hard to earn. But the father gives a level of satisfaction and care that goes way beyond anything we can get or hope for. He doesn't just sustain us, but he celebrates us. But make no mistake about your situation when you're away from God. God doesn't consider you to be okay on your own. He doesn't think you're just going through a phase or testing things out or finding yourself. You know, he calls you dead and lost. Coming home to God is not just figuring your life out or getting it in order or saying you're sorry or agreeing with a certain point of view. It's coming back to life. You know, it's being found starving in the wilderness, and finally someone comes with something that can keep you alive. This whole chapter of Luke, actually, is all about how much God celebrates when even one person comes home to God, lost and found. It's the name of our whole series on the book of Luke for that very reason, that God celebrates that, lost and found, just like the coin and the sheep from last week, but even more so, back from the dead, 
Wow, what a change in the story. And so here we have the antidote to our temptation towards self-reliance. You know, the son, he's safe again. It's because he knows he's fully dependent on the father and he celebrates that fact. But I've got to ask, what about the older brother? Did the older brother realize it too, his dependence? Well, once the father comes out to talk to the older brother because he was upset, we don't get to see the older brother's response. The story just kind of cuts off. And maybe there's a reason for that. you you got to remember that Jesus was telling this story uh, to those prideful religious leaders of the day that were criticizing him, spending time with the less put-together people. So maybe he leaves the older brother's response to come from the listener's heart. If you're a Christian that's been in the church for a long time, that stays in the church, that uh, has been with God's people, doing the church's work, you've got to ask yourself why you do that. Let's remember that the point of being in the Father's house is not to enjoy the house or the life there or the company or even the work. Those all come with it, of course, but the point is to enjoy being with the Father. And we get to enjoy all those other things, not just for themselves, but because they belong to the Father. And they remind us that we are always with Him. So now, in a time when it's difficult for us all to meet as a church, we got to ask, do we find our prayers sounding more like the older brother? You know, God, why is this happening? We want to be back with our friends, doing the things we like. This is so inconvenient for us as a church. Or are they sounding more like the younger brothers? You know, God, we are in bad shape. We don't deserve you, but please have mercy on us and help us because you are our only hope to get through any part of life. Has it pulled us back to our dependence on the Father? Has it allowed us to celebrate our dependence on a trustworthy God. Well, thanks, you guys, for being a part of this again and for uh, each week letting us be a part of your worship at your home and uh, letting us enjoy God together. This is really great. I hope that this story that Jesus told a long time ago has reminded you of God's love for you no matter what. And I hope that it has reminded us you of him and all his people celebrating when even one person comes home to God. And I hope it reminds you that he is your true home. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for taking such good care of us. Thank you for being graceful and always giving us a chance to come home to you. Help us to share that news with people that you are a gracious and loving God that gives second chances. Help us to celebrate that and to, uh, to just enjoy being with you. We thank you and we love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.